Uh-oh, it looks like we piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever meet them. This is not your typical mastermind. The hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything, joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, uh, I've got a young man, and I just snatched him. We didn't talk about this. Nope. We were we were just going to hang out. Yep. Um, we're gonna uh, we'll we'll be in and out on microphones too because we'll be adjusting. Um, but we thought about hanging. We're in a men's group together. It's our second week uh, hanging out, and we talked about being able to hang. And we started talking, and your story was so interesting. <laughs> In, in so many different ways. I mean, the, the title of this, this podcast, this show is Experiencing God. But I was experiencing something while you were talking that, was, that blew my mind. And it was online dating, uh, which I, I'm old school. Right? You actually had to have game back in the day. Today, you get to put a profile up. You get to do all this stuff. We're going to talk about that. But this, this young man has, I mean, I, I want to speak life into you because you have, you have inspired me in such a short window of time. And this morning, I'm not going to talk about what you talked about in men's group because that's men's group and that's what we get to do. But the vulnerability that you had to be able to express some of the feelings that you had, I just think it is so amazing because there's not a lot of people. As men, we're taught to, to posture up, uh, to, to protect ourselves, to show that we're the strongest and that we got all this stuff. And when you can be in a place where you show vulnerability, it's probably the strongest that a man will ever be. And as I was listening about your, tell me your wife's name. Jess. Jess. Jess, I love you out there. If you're listening, which you will listen to because you're a man. But Jess, as I was listening to this, I was blown away. Um, I asked for his title. I asked for your title. And you were like, man, I don't even, I said, pastor. And you're like, "Mm, I'm a golfer. So please welcome to the show, pastor and golfer, (laughs) Seth McKenna. Uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, so let's get right into this online dating thing, because for those of you out there that that have, I mean, for the people, I I don't understand it. I didn't get a chance to do it. Um, Maybe it would have been easier. Um, Maybe it would have been harder. I know you said that you got on. I asked Christian Mingle, and you were like, nah. What was it called? Cross Paths. 
cross cross paths. Yeah. Okay. So cross paths. Got it. So yeah, and it was like you you literally would rank yourself off uh, off of your like devotion to God. Like what? Oh, I'm like a devout every single week going to church. Like like believe the word of God all the way down to like. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of just figuring out the whole God thing. And it was a, like a one to five scale that you would rank yourself. What did you rate yourself? I was like, did um, you go five? Well, I like, it, it was weird because like you would say that five would be greater than, but it was just the wording that they had for these rankings. I'm saying as a man, Seth, as a man, when you got on there, were you like, cause when I asked about golfing, you were like, I'm a four. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you let me know right off the bat. You were like, even though you're a nice Christian man and yeah. you're a God-fearing guy, you wanted to let me know you come on the golf course with me, I'm going to beat that butt. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. okay, so you, guys, you, got some, you got some killer in you. Yeah. When you went on this app, because if I went on the app, I'd be like, I want five. Oh, no doubt about it. But it doesn't mean that it's the best? No, it, it was just the wording of each of their groupings. It was, I would say it's like five <laughs> groups. Um, okay, so on any of those groups, could it have been a one and you would have been good? N- nah, like I was pretty settled. There was like two groups and, and Jess and I were actually on the same. That's why like I picked her, that we were like, hey, we're both very devout in our faith. Okay. Um, uh, what was she a one on? Jess, you know what you're a one on. No, she's, she was, she's a five on everything? I do. I'm going to tell you right now. Five? 10. 10 out of 5? 10 out of 5. Jess, Jess. Out of five. This is a newly married man. Too. How long have you been married? Like 18 months. Oh, gosh. Yeah. This is awesome. This, yeah. is that, that, this is that, like, no, you breathe. No, you breathe. No, 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 no. Let, no, you hang up Actually, first. Actually, no, I'm excited to get into this because it's not been that way. <laughs> but I can't wait to, because getting into year two, everything's changed. How everything's is it changed. everything? How? So, I, I would say this, that. You getting her flowers? I, you know what? I, I do that. Okay. Uh, but not like a weekly thing. Do you it's, pick them? Do you pick them yourself? Or you go to the store. Oh, bro, I'm searching out Ralph's, man. Okay, so when you go into Ralph's, are you looking for like the? Are you looking for the signature one? Or are you looking for the one that is kind of on sale a little bit? You gotta be real. Uh, you well, ever for, been caught okay. like on sale? No, you I'm walk in to seven ninety nine, and you're like, I need that one. I'm gonna tell you right now, and this is like my wife is <laughs> totally okay with me saying this. Uh, <laughs> she can't keep a plant alive to save her life. Okay, like it, you know, you give her a plant, it's dead in a week. It just is what it is. Um, uh oh, we don't know why. It just is. And Jess, we need to work on that heart. So, I, I'm not gonna spend sixty, seventy bucks on a, some flowers. Okay, be, and and she would be like, hey, this was dumb. For okay, you to, like spend that much money on on flowers that are gonna be gone in a week. So, okay. uh, so I, but I want it to look nice. My mom is a florist and oh. do, does all this. She did every single one of my boutonnieres for all of my school dances. No. and my wedding. It was unreal it was so cool and so I, I got the eye because i saw her okay so i know it's good but I, i'm not trying to drop cash you're not trying to do it you, did you ever buy some flowers and you when you saw them you were like you gravitated toward it because it was on sale yeah. yeah yeah when was the last time you did that did she know did you come home and be like hey i found these on sale no no i didn't, I didn't. <laughs> can you tell her now Listen, I'm telling you Which right ones? Now, what color were they? Uh, well, like, I, I kind of go within the, the same spectrum. Like, uh, I'm pretty much always getting sunflowers, roses. Um, Why sunflowers? I, I just, like, I like the way that they look. Like, yeah. it just, I don't know, they brighten up every room that they're in. I like them. That's that. They're kind of prickly on the stem yeah. sometimes. Yeah, but 
That, I mean, roses are too. Yeah, roses are just expensive. So I kind of just. <laughs> It's, you know, Valentine's Day, I understand. Her birthday, yeah. like, roses. Sunflowers? What do, you, what do you do outside of the norm, right? So, like, my wife, I, I, I would try to do the norm. I tried to make sure that I got flowers and did all stuff. And then she was like, you know, it's the sexiest thing ever. And she paused. And I was like, wow, she's about to tell me. Yeah. And she's like, doing the dishes. I was like, what? And so yeah. I, I found myself doing the dishes, and I'd be putting my booty out, you yeah. know, while I'm doing the dishes. They'd be like, yeah, do I look sexy now? <laughs> But it's, I think with women, a lot of times it's doing things that are not the natural and norm. Yeah. What is it that you do for her that's not natural and norm? Jess loves it when I take the initiative on like doing things for us. Ooh. So like, so it, it, it's not just like planning date night, but like thinking outside the box. So this past weekend we were in LA um, and in LA is our favorite breakfast burrito spot. Okay. And I actually included our breakfast burrito spot in our engagement night because it was just had that much value to us. And so Was it open? No. Like not that night. It was just it was Oh, you did it in front yeah, of it? Yeah, like basically You I didn't took, get her an old burrito in the morning and try and give it to her at night. No, no, no. Because no, you can't have a you can't do, do that, that to burrito no, 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 like no. that. No, we never It's do not that. a good leftover. It's food. not. It's not. It, it has to be hot fresh right okay. off. Okay. But no, what we did was basically I went around to the three main spots in our town that had significant influence in our relationship. Okay. Um, and then read her a, a letter that I wrote like with memories attached to that moment. So we went to the breakfast burrito spot because yes, the breakfast burrito is that good, but also because it just had such impact. Like it was the imagery sitting over breakfast together, connecting, bonding together. Like I got to know her so much, just like spending our mornings doing, you know, doing life. And so that was, I felt like that was important to include. That's where I, the breakfast burrito was in essence, the imagery of me, getting depth into our relationship. As wow. As it is. But I've never heard a br- breakfast burrito bringing you to depth. I'm telling you right now, that's, man. That's a, you're on if that next you level. If you had the burrito, <laughs> you would know. You would know. So I think one of the cool things too, man, is, is a lot of times people have preconceived notions of pastors. Oh, you don't, you, number one, you don't look like a pastor. You don't talk like a pastor. Sweet. And also, and for all you pastors out there, I love you. I got a lot of friends who are pastors and stuff. And most of the friends that I have that are pastors are not normal. They're not the norm. Because you used to think of the guy, you know, the guy that, you know, would be like hellfire on you and stuff like that. But you're real. Let's go to how a pastor dated with this cross pass. Take us through this. How did you get on cross pass in the first place? Yeah. So my best friend put me up to it. Like I was, I was just not interested. Actually at that season of life, I was 22, just about to be 23. And I was like, this is the time where I'm trying to, I'm trying, like, I mean, I wanted to just settle in in my own of like, I'm not going to try and pursue the relationship thing. Like I'm just going to sit and try and like grow my relationship with the Lord and yada, yada. And I kind of found that sweet spot. Like, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you're like, man, me and God are tight right now. Like this is a great season. And so I came into that and my best friend's like, dude, I got to get you on this app. Just met this girl. We've been talking for a couple months and like, this is the one I'm like, all right, bro. You say that about every girl, but like, <laughs> is he married right now? He married her. He married her. Yes. Okay. He married her. So but he used to say all the time, like every girl, he'd be yeah, like, this but, is the one. But that's like a lot of Christian guys, right? Like this okay. is the one, right? It's always that. Yeah. So he puts me on and, uh, in essence, this app is so small. Like there were so few people on it. 
that within a 20-mile square radius of L.A., there was only four girls. Four girls in all L.A.? Four girls. What was the prerequisites? Did they have to, like, ascend from heaven? I don't know. I mean... I don't know. So I was like, obviously, this is a joke. And the... the, the, Did you set the prerequisites, or did your buddy? I did. I told him, like, I'm not interested in doing long distance. Got it. If I'm going to be getting into a relationship, I want it to be a little bit convenient. And so... What were some of the other things? Well, I mean, obviously, you like, had to be very specific. Yes. Did you say she had to have like bangs, brown hair, blue eyes? Because no, no, there was no. only four. Seth. Yes, yeah. four. No, I, I would say LA like, is a big place. Yeah, I knew what I was uh, was into. Like, uh, I, I f- like I like fashion and like, got it. So, like, hey, if she sneakers. Has to, I I've thankfully been released of the addiction. Okay, but yes, I I like sneakers. So, best pair of sneakers you ever got? My bread Elevens. Or, yes. honestly, Jess, our first Christmas together, she got me some Concord 11s. She did? Yeah, that was like, and I was like. That's another love. I'm That's gonna, like getting a dude a diamond. Yeah, literally, as soon as she did that, I said, I'm going to put a ring on this. Ladies, okay. all you out there, like, get us some shoes, but know the type that you're buying. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because right. you don't want to come with the ones from Foot Locker that you could get in your neighborhood. Right. Like, go on GOAT. Go, I mean, find something and yep. know the name, ladies. Yep. I'm ta- talking to all of you. Yep. Know the name. Yep. Know the the period. You know what I'm saying? The period of time. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because, uh, like, I'm a forest guy. Yeah. I'm a forest guy. 89. Okay. Uh, you know, that's what I grew up in, and so the bread, the, the bread forests are huge for me. Got them. Um, it's one of those things, but uh, there's a lot of times where people don't know. So right. she got you. She got you those things. Keep going with your story, though. I, 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 I circumvented you. No, it's all good. Um, so after like recognizing, all right, this app's kind of a joke. I opened it up to see, all right, who's really out there. So under the radius, I put it to 300 plus miles. That was the max radius that it could go. Okay, so that's like Bakersfield. You added Bakersfield into your LA. Literally added the whole world. At that time. 300 miles, though, ain't it? The whole world. But 300 plus, though. Oh, plus. Sudden, yes. I was like, you just added San Bernardino and Bakersfield. Now, all of my listeners out there that from San Bernardino, yeah. Bakersfield, I love you. But, like. There's I, not a whole lot of good that comes <laughs> out. I'm just going to be honest. Like, no you one's did, like. You did catch Lompoc, though. I'm from Lompoc, so. Hey, That's a good thing. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so now literally it's like girls from Australia and England and like Germany, like just crazy. It's just now, but I was, this is the thing. This is my only bone to pick with uh, online dating. Okay. And we'll probably dive into this in a little bit, but uh, it's window shopping. Like you're really judgmental right up front. Of course it's, you are. Did like, you put, what kind of picture you put of yourself? Oh, I had some good pictures. Did you? Well, yeah. Did you have the good angle and everything? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It it was like, if it was good enough to be a Facebook profile picture, then it was good enough to go on. I've never thought about my profile picture. Some people don't, but for me, like. You did? At 22, you know, you're flexing, you know, you're doing your thing. So, How'd you do it? Did you do, you do like serious face when you take a picture? No, no, no. I think that the. You don't do serious, like, you know, blue steel? You don't get into it? No, I I literally can't do it. And in fact, if I ever do that in a picture, it's literally because I'm just (laughs) making fun of people who do that. So (laughs) I have some friends. Johnny, if you're listening, you do it all the time. My buddy Johnny does it. Yeah, he he gets that one. Yeah, so I I just smile. Just like I was just raised, you smile in pictures. So I smile. So let's go into how, uh, because we're going to come back to this part. You went to the 300 plus, but I want to go to, 
what type of upbringing do you have that yeah. at 22 years old, you're like, I really want to find the one? Because most guys out there at 22 years old are like, I ain't trying to find the one. I'm trying to find one of many. Right, right. And you're talking about seasons in life, and you're yeah. talking about wisdom. You're talking about th- this is not something a 22-year-old talks about. No, no. So uh, so my dad's a pastor as well. Got I was it. born and raised in the church. Okay. Um, and But I would say that the most influential thing of my childhood that my parents ever did was giving me the opportunity, me and my two, my two siblings, um, the opportunity for us to own our own faith. So I would just, I, 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 like, that has been a staple in my life is the fact that, like, people would ask me, like, hey, like, are you in ministry today because your dad's a pastor? I would say uh, I'm, I'm, I was introduced to it because of my dad. I was given the opportunity to grow and learn and honestly, like, take the fast track of uh, the ministry experience because of my dad, okay. but I did not become a pastor because of my dad. Mm. I became a pastor because God called me into wow. ministry, and I firmly believe that. I I have the moment. I was nine years old. I was at Camp Cedarcrest. You were nine. Nine years old, bro, and literally. Baptized. You were at Camp Cedarcrest. What were you guys doing there? Kids camp. Kids camp. It was church camp. Kids, church camp. Kids okay. camp. And, and I, I had a moment, and there's a, a really influential um, guy named Greg Johnson in, in his ministry is called J12 and it, it's for what he calls the tween years. Right? Okay. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, he was our camp speaker and we had done a conference with him like a couple months before this camp. And so he and I had relationship, mm-hmm. um, that was kind of a pastored kid perk right there is like, you get to meet the speakers. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he came over and literally like, prayed with me. And in that moment I was baptized in the Holy spirit and as clear as day, heard the Lord speak to me like, Seth, I'm like, you are being called into ministry. Like you will be a pastor. Is this scary at nine years old? Uh, I mean, cause I'm thinking stranger things, right? My daughter's yeah. into stranger things. Yeah. You're nine years old yeah. and you hear this spirit yeah. say this, like I'm thinking stranger things. I'm thinking upside down and I'm thinking, oh man, don't be will. Don't let them yeah. get you. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, when you encounter God's presence in that way, there's nothing terrifying about it. When you experience the radical love of God, when you experience the fullness of joy in his presence, when you experience that like I did in that moment, there's nothing terrifying about it. You know what? It felt so safe. Mm. It felt so right. It felt so real. And that's why I look at that moment as being one of those um, identifying like, like catalytic moments in my life was because it was too real. There's nothing anybody could ever say to me to take that experience away from me. There's nothing anybody could ever show me that would taint that moment because of what I experienced. And that's why, like, I'm very passionate as a pastor um, for people to have that experience. So a lot of the things that, like, a lot of my messages always are tailored towards leading to people, like, believing for them to have a radical encounter with God. Because, honestly, there's not a whole lot that I can say that's going to convince people to believe in God. However... His presence, good enough. As soon as you encounter his presence, there's, it, everything changes. And so for me in that moment, that's what I look back to. And it's like, no one, everybody could always say like, oh, you're a pastor today just because you were raised in the church and, and your parents, you know, kind of guided you there. No, that's not actually why it went down. It's like, no, no, no. God is a personal God. And so my relationship with the Lord is my relationship and my dad, like, he did a phenomenal job. My mom and my dad did a phenomenal job setting my sister, my brother, and I 
up for success where we got to choose our faith. We got to encounter that on our own. And, and here's what's crazy. All three of us today, this is what I was up in LA. All three of us are pastors today. My brother's a pastor in Temecula. My sister literally just got licensed this past like, like month and this weekend got installed as a pastor. Wow. And it's like, and here's what's crazy. All of our journeys, completely different, completely different. Um, but you can tell if you would just get around us, like everybody has a unique call in their life. Mm-hmm. And it was not because mom and dad, in fact, they actually kind of tried to get us to not go down that road. Like, like it really, he would like check me, like, you sure that you know that you know that you know that you're supposed to do this? I'm like, dad, without question. Like, I know that this is what I was called to. There's no running from it. And um, so that's my, that was my upbringing. I was also like super into athletics and a uh, big like football, baseball guy growing up. And, um, and those things helped with a lot of the influence of how I lead today uh-huh. um, and how I pastor today. It, it just, I, I had the opportunity after high school to like go back and coach in my hometown during the summers. So I'd go coach football, coach baseball at the high school and, um, and seeing how impactful sports can be and especially team atmospheres um, was really, really influential in the molding and the shaping of who I am today, um, how I think, um, how I, I am sensitive to areas, um, because it just, I don't know, there's, there's something so beautiful about, like, team sports, and going after a, a main goal together, and as simple as, like, just playing a game, but there's, there's life lessons that you can get out of that, that literally can change a person's life, so, that's kind of the gist of my childhood. Yeah. Um, like, born and raised church kid. I think my mom's water broke literally in church. Like, like so when I, like, tell people, like, no, no, no. Like, I'm a, like, I'm a five-fold, like, church kid. Like, that's me. Um, and, uh, and, and through that, I, I wouldn't say, like. What's like, the disadvantage to it? There, the, I think uh, the hardest thing is, uh, unfortunately, I was raised where we always at a young age I had to be hyper aware of my surroundings um of like people watching because if you were acting a fool then your dad it was like that's right. how are you gonna right how are you gonna talk about like, God I, when I, your like, kid is exactly acting a fool? like like how I much pressure is that on a young kid though that- I mean a ton like I mean I, I would say I think the principle is really good I think though the pressure um was was probably overbearing um we like had a family saying um, when we got to the age where we could kind of go out on our own, go down to the park, go out with friends, you know, yeah. ride our bikes around town. Um, my dad would always hit me with like, hey, Seth, like literally doors open. I'm getting ready to like hop on the bu- you know, the bike, you know, get on the Huffy. And it's like, yes, hey, Seth. Uh, you were rich then if you had a Huffy. No, nah, it was actually given you to me. You were flexing. No, nah, no, nah, bro. Pastors, like, come on, bro. Like, okay. we just, people donate, and that's it. You know? Like, okay. <laughs> so it's like, it's fake flex. But you had a huffy, dude. It was a fake flex. Like, we didn't buy it. You know? Okay. Just like, uh, somebody gave somebody it Somebody gave us. it to you? Yeah, Somebody yeah. gave you a huffy? Come on, bro. Like, that's God, good. God that's, is good. Hey, he is good. <laughs> hey, favor and fair, you know? Hey, so. so all you out there that aren't following God, start following God, you'll get the huffy. <laughs> favor and you'll fair. Get, you'll, get the, you'll get the huffy. Um, anyway, so he would hit us with, like, for me specifically, hey, Seth. Remember who you are. You're hmm. a McKenna, and you represent God. So you represent this family, and you represent God. And so when you go out there, just remember that you live for a higher calling than yourself. You know, like, you're, you're out there. And so, and that was really good. Like, it kept me from doing a lot of stupid crap. But it also 
put uh, a pressure on me mm. that that was uh, was tough. I mean, even today, like I still have moments where I, I'm like I'm fearful of making mistakes. I'm fearful, and I feel like that's actually caused me to make mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Um, plan not to lose as opposed to plan to win. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that was kind of the downside, right? And then like it's the the stupid crap of just like like church people generally are pretty rad but you got like some church people that just like don't got a clue and are not sensitive to that like how'd you stay out of the judgment because this is where i find that like a lot of my friends who maybe don't go to church or don't have a relationship with the lord a lot of times they are judging god on man's inconsistencies and they have people in their life that are you know they're maybe they're they have a great heart yeah but a lot of times they're pressing that heart onto someone else and it comes through as judgment and that causes a person to stay away from right. the faith or stay away from getting involved. How were you able to stay away from that kind of judgment when you're in a place of like, you know, we're representing God and, right. and, and you're a McKenna and right. you know, that, that's strong, man. Right. Um, you, you, I'm going to be honest. You don't like, there is no avoiding it. There's no, like you, you are in an environment where like let's just put it this way like I, our, my family me we are the targets in the target in the, in the firing range so like most of the time bullets whizzing by are missing like thankfully like through God's protection no because you're on that huffy you know what I mean if you would have been on one of them bootleg bikes then you would have got hit but, but you got favor with the huffy man let's go yeah. <laughs> those bullets whizzing by like meant to take us out. A lot of, like, because of God's grace and, mm. and his mercy, like, they miss. But they, but there's every, you know, every now and again they land. And, like, that's just inevitable. When you are in ministry, when you are. What's pl- the last one that landed? What's the last one that, that hit hard? And, and did you talk to Jess on, it's not because you made crossed paths. Yeah. Did you say, hey, yo, if you come into this, you come hang out with this, you know, golfer who, who hits a four. You know what I mean? Because I know you were flexing on her. And you were like, I got a huffy too. But you got to know. That you're going to be like, because yeah. that's pressure on a woman. Did you tell her that or did you just, did I you? Was, yeah, I didn't. No, I didn't. Front you weren't up front? No, 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 I was you, like, I was not going to like, like, because you didn't that try point, and trick her. No, no, no. See, like, I would have been petty. I would have tricked her. And then she would have been like, man, there's a lot of pressure. And I'll be I, like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't even realize. I couldn't at that point in time. So you're saying you're a better man just, than me. No, that's, what it is. that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's literally not what I'm saying at all. Um, <laughs> What I'm saying is, is that you that got a huffy, you golf a four. No, stop uh, you it, got stop a, it. you got, you know, um, you're a McKenna. Yeah, you're, I'm a, you're I'm representing a God. Yeah, yeah. but okay. basically, what I, when that moment happened, when Jess and I matched and we were talking back and forth, um, my 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 mentality was this: like, I'm not I'm not trying to play no games. Like, I don't okay. I don't care. Like, I don't need to like. Uh, I, I have intentionally, like, uh, especially on the golf course, I'll try and avoid the conversation of I'm a pastor because ah. it changes the round of golf yeah. from there on. Like, people just start <sighs> acting a little bit different, a little bit weird. What do you say you do then? Well, I, I don't I don't like to also lie. Okay. So. Do you just say I'm a servant? No, no, no. I, I just, like, I literally trying to just, uh, I, I don't allow the conversations to go there. I, I, I am the one that initiates and try and steers the conversation. Ah. So I ask a lot about them and a lot about golf. And okay. I just like, I want people to talk about them. Um, and, and then I try and talk about that golf round as much as possible. Okay. Um, and then typically I, I, it, it always happens. I can't avoid it. They always go, so what do you do for a living? And I'm every time left with a choice. Do I, do I, you know, hide this? But I'm like, you know what? I've came to this place. 
if I'm called to live unashamedly for the gospel, yeah, and this is what God has called me to, and this is what God has anointed and graced me to, then what do I got to lose? Has God ever spoke to you and said, don't tell him that I'm a pastor because I need to do some work on him? Uh, I wouldn't say like that, like not audibly, but I, I could vibe it that like this would be okay. probably, it would be damaging, like even more so than them, you know. And so I wouldn't lie because I'm also a, a musician. Um, that was like okay. what I studied in what college. What do you play? I'm a drummer. So I've, I, like that's how I got involved at Daybreak. Yeah. Was I, Marcus and I like are good buddies and I just started coming down and playing um, drums at, at church and then through that it just like created you got I mean. animal skills like the animals from the, the Muppets um, you know what I'm talking about yeah no I know who you're talking about um, you got I, animal skills yeah I would yeah I would say like you're I a humble that. guy but I, you I, know I, that you got a killer in you I, are you always like that like super humble until we get around and then you're just gonna smash me on the golf course I would say like ride your huffy up and skid <laughs> <laughs> to the golf course. Hey, what are you talking about, bro? You literally got the dopest <laughs> electric bike I've ever seen. So let's drop the Huffy because you got Hey, I don't have a Huffy, though, man. Dude, I, I need to get me one of, so need to get me one of those. So dumb. <laughs> I've literally said that because, yeah, whatever. Anyways, so. That's going to be the name of this episode. The, I got a Huffy and yeah. you don't. Like, God loves me because I got a Huffy. <laughs> so dumb. That's what it is. Anyways, so with Jess, I was very, very upfront with her. And, and actually, this is how I said it. So we were... How like, did she react to it? Oh, I'm going to... I got to tell you what I got okay, first said. Because go. this is... It was very straightforward. We were DMing back and forth on the app. Shot my shot. I said, hey, our conversation's so great. My thumbs are getting tired. Can I just get your number and call you? This is day one. That's gangster. How day many one. How many back and forths you have on this? Oh, she and I, gosh. Dude, paragraphs. Paragraphs. You were texting paragraphs? Yeah. That's what you knew young, like whippersnappers do yeah. you're gonna text like it was t- on the app you know like i know but new. you're on this the is, app but this, this is hours but after. i'm learning yeah okay. I've, i didn't meet my wife on a on right. an app yeah and we didn't text back and forth yeah. how many times you text you think about it. how many on that how we many probably probably had exchange over the course of a couple hours probably 50 60 messages back and you forth. are a patient man yeah i would have done like two and it would have been interesting i would have been like let's just call like, just call me damn it yeah, well, but that, that's the old dude in me. But what this is where it got to was when she asked the question. So, what's it like to do ministry with your dad? Because for the last six years, I've been on staff at my dad's church, um, and you didn't think that she was trying to get an angle to do ministry with your dad too? No, no, no. I'm and, just joking. No, with you. yeah, no. It was literally <laughs> just like it was. It was such a good question that I was so not. No, no girl has ever asked me that, and this is hours after talk, like starting to talk. Yeah. So that's when I was just like. Yo, we need, we just need to talk. So she gave me her number. I called her and, um, and we just started like engaging in conversation, going around that. And, and I was just very upfront. And I literally okay. said this, uh, Jess, I just need you to know like what you're getting into. Is her name Jessica? Yeah. Did you call her Jess right away? Well, on her profile it was. It said Jess. Jess. But yeah. did she say I'm Jessica and then you could call me Jess? She just said, everybody calls me Jess. Okay. She said that right off the bat? Yeah. Because I don't like people shortening my name. I hear you. That's you can't shorten Seth. No, it's So you don't short. deal with that. I guess you could. Yeah, that's, it would be weird. It like when people Seth. call me Kel, people don't call me Kel unless it's my brother. Rob, you're listening. I would never call you Kel. But my brother calls me Kel. I hear it endearing. And other people, I'm like, are you lazy to not put the other syllable in? Has anybody ever called you Casey? Yeah, sometimes. They'll, call, they'll, they'll do the KC. That, 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 that's all right. 
whatever. You know, come come through. Yeah. But no, but for Jess, she likes. She just Jess. Yeah. It's just, Anybody yeah. call her Jessica? Yeah. Like her family. Okay. Um, every now and again. But um, most people are just my, Jess. My, actually, my sister okay. calls her Jessica. Um, okay. She's like, that's her name that she was born with. That's her name. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, and was she protective of you? Was your sister protective of you with Jess? Oh, yeah, man. Oh yeah, she was. She was. She oh, was well, like, raking her over the coals. I I told my sister about Jess and I's relationship because I I really really wanted to do this right because once I started to see where it was going, I'm like I really want to do this right. How so. far into this is it? Because I'm just trying. Like for for me, I'm thinking of a 22 year old guy, yeah. and you're you have this much foresight. I mean, I mean, this is wisdom. At the uh, dude, as a church kid, like you idolize marriage. Whoa. So, I mean, we, like, everything that okay. I ever did in life was just always to try and get a wife. And so, Why? Because it was just painted that, like, true fulfillment came in marriage. That you, like, I mean, I literally, it was never said this way, but it felt this way. That, like, I would not unlock the full anointing in my life unless I was married. Wow. Which it didn't is, it didn't have a little bit to do with the fact that you know you got to be away from each other before marriage and then you get to come together. No, when yeah, I mean like that, that got, too, but like well, percentage wise, I the would, anointing of God and the, the being able to fully experience the yeah, marriage. Yeah, where would we say on a percentage? I would say, honestly, for me, like it it wasn't like a fifty fifty thing. Like I would say, like yeah, um, y- you know. Because you didn't live together. This is and no, no, no. the reason why I want to talk about this is yeah. because it's so normal for everybody. Yeah. Everybody's like, "Oh wow, you've been talking for three months, four months. Yeah. You should live together." And then, you know, and I'm not. Uh, there's no judgment in these kind of things. No. with people. But I'm telling, like, this is this is abnormal, and it's so yeah. fascinating to me to be able to hear about because. You know, I'm getting to experience you and the joy of you and talking, you talking about your wife in this. In, I mean, it's amazing to be able to see because my, my mom would say, well, whatever starts out right ends up right. Right. And I, when I would speak, when I go and speak, I would have a lot, I have a lot of people come to me afterwards and they'll be like, yo, I got this challenge. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Because I used to, I would say to people, if you avoid four things for young women and young women listen out there and listen to these four things, if you avoid these four things from the time you're 18 to the time you're probably 25, if you avoid these four things, your life will be smooth. Mm. Number one, boys. Number two, boys. Number three, boys. Number four, (laughs) boys. Right? And if you get to 25 and you're focusing on what you're doing and you're focusing on what you're doing, you're going to attract a different type of boy. Right? Right. But people would come to me afterwards and they'd be like, yo, I got a challenge. Be like, What's the challenge? Well, I got, I'm in this relationship and this happened, this happened. And yeah. I'd be like, wait a second, where'd you meet him? Yeah. They'd be like, well, we were at the bar. Yeah. And when we were at the bar, he came up to me and he told me that he was done with his relationship. They still lived together, yeah. but they were already done. And so she sometimes, you know, but, but they're out yeah. of the relationship. Yeah. Nah. And then... But we started in, but he was already done with that relationship, but he hadn't moved out yet because there was a couple of things. He had to get his stuff, whatever it was. And then we started in. She's like, now we're three years in, and now he's going out on me with somebody. I'm yeah. like. Yeah, no, it, it, that's, and that, unfortunately, that's accepted and in some circles praised in our society today. Think about that. 
How do you get that message across to a young kid that, you know, 99%, I mean, well, 95% of the culture is saying, no, I mean, this is what you do, and you're a youth pastor. How do you get that message across and keep it cool? Because you have this way. I mean, because you're cool, Seth, you're cool. Like, you're, you're cool, and the kids, they listen to you. How do you get that message across when the whole world is saying something else? So the big thing that, along with owning my faith, that we were taught and led in was how do you live a spirit-led life? Mm. And um, What's the difference? So what I believe is that we don't go to church to worship a God who is just sitting up on a throne, like, in needing our praise. Um, And that it's, like, this transactional thing. Like, no, I believe in a God who is personal, who uniquely um, has has, excuse me, has unique relationships with each individual person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, that there's only one foundational truth that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life that no one comes to the father except through him. Like that's the principle, but the way that Jesus met people was always like on their terms. Like mm-hmm. he never said like, Hey, I need you to go and change your clothes and get a haircut. And then you can be like good enough for my circle. Like he would go to them. And so with that, then we, we serve a God who's extremely personal extremely relational and desires to help guide us through making wise choices in this life. And so when it came to dating, when it came to sex, when it came to uh, making that choice, like, well, the Lord, like he knows the desires of our hearts. So he knew that I had the longing, the desire that I wanted to be married. Um, And so I think that like there was this place because part of my story too was like, I didn't always do it right. Like, I went through a really bad breakup uh, my freshman year of college. Like dated a girl for like three years. It was a really bad breakup. Kind of caused me on the spiral where I was just like, any girl that would want me, I would date her. And like, and it was just not good. And then I came to this place by that time, like, like for four years of just like chasing relationship after relationship after relationship of unfulfillment and just feeling so helpless in this that I literally had a moment in my car alone crying out to God, just like, God, I'm done. Like, I'm done doing this. I'm done, like, feeling uh, like I'm trying to offer the greatness that you have put inside of me, and it's just being used and abused. And uh, and I'm done, like, idolizing this. Like, I just want you. I just want this moment with you. And I literally had, like, a breakdown crying. So I said, I'm giving you my relationships. I'm giving you all this stuff. And uh, and it was only, like, three or four months later that I met Jess wow. online. And I wasn't, it was not that I was searching after, like, like I said, my best friend put me online, kind of set this whole thing up. It was like a Jess's story of how she even got on. It was just like a random Tuesday night or whatever it was random. And just like, it just so happened the same situation, like put it up to 300 plus miles and we like connected. And so on our talk, like the first seven days of our relationship was the gnarliest seven days of my life. Literally, we talked for hours on end on the phone. But Did you have phone, a job? Yeah, I was, I was youth pastoring. And so, like... How I, did you talk for hours? After work. What time? It would, I mean, we would talk way late, man. Like, she... Like, b- this was the gnarliest thing. She being in Ohio, like, three hours ahead. Ooh. So, we would start chatting at, like, 7 o'clock at night. So, that's 10, 10 o'clock her time. But we would talk all night long, bro. And so, there was, there was mo- like, nights that she was going to bed at, like, 5 but what did she do? What was she doing? She was in college work? at that time. She, she was, was finishing. Yeah, oh, she, so she wasn't, she was, was just like, whatever. Care. Yeah. And yeah. so, but 
our first seven days of conversation were so that were so outside of anything I've ever had. I've never chatted with someone about God the way that she and I chat about God. And I was very upfront. So talking about that, like being direct, I literally looked at her or yeah, I was on FaceTime and I said, you were on FaceTime for that long. We See, would, that's the difference with you young people too, is you have FaceTime. Like we used to be on the phone from the court on a, the squiggly, yeah. the people that are yeah, totally listening yeah, yeah, yeah. to the, the squiggly line. And yeah. you would be like, damn, what does she look like? No, yeah. No, but I you can see. No, like, well, that was the other thing too with online dating. Like I'm trying to get to the FaceTime as fast as possible to make sure that you are who are you are. You are you holding the phone or you got a phone holder? I hold it. You hold, that's a long time holding it. Yeah. But like, I would also, you got some good arms then. Well, that's where the golf comes from. Amen. Um, but we would like, I would, you know, I had no problem setting her on a ledge or whatever. Okay. Like, we, so it was not just like five hours of staring each other's eyes talking. <laughs> like, no, no, no. It would be like, it'd be like we're, we're still doing stuff. You okay. know, like I. Uh, Cooking. Yeah. Well, I grew up in the parsonage next door to the church offices. Parsonage. Yeah. It's the basically the church owns the house. No. And really? So that was the home that I grew up in. Really? Yeah. For so, your whole life. Yeah. So I was on church property my whole life. Holy. You were on holy ground. Exactly. So. So, um, Did people come over and play? Unfortunately, like we had far too many experiences of people like from the church, like I need prayer. It's ten thirty at night. It's just like, yo, come on, like boundaries. But when you're living on property, that's what happens. So we, so because of that, um, working for the church, sometimes my office hours, I would just like cruise over. My creative time is late at night. And so, like, I would go over, I like programming lights, like doing light shows, okay. I, um, uh, writing sermons, like, would happen late at night. And so, I would already be over at the church, and it would just be her and I, like, on FaceTime, and just put her on a ledge or a little tripod or whatever, and we just okay. chat and just go. And so, I literally looked at her, and in this first week, things got so real so fast um, that she, uh, she sent me a breakup email um, because she's a writer Okay. I'm a, I'm a talker. She's a writer. Okay. And so that was kind of how our communication started going. She would write me emails to like get out her heart and feelings. Cause I would sit there and I'd be like, girl, like I just, this is what I'm sensing God doing. <laughs> Did hey, Was there ever a time where you used God language to, to kind of get closer? Okay. So this is what okay, I knew. But you gotta be real on no, this. I'm going to be really honest. Okay. So help me. This is where I, this was the make or break moment. Okay. Because I didn't want to front on her. And so I literally, my opening line to her was, um, hey, I just need you to know, like, I'm not just, like, a church kid. I'm not, like, like I'm a pastor. Like, and I need you to understand that if you're going to be pursuing a relationship with me, like, if you allow for me to pursue you and we're going to do this thing, like, you need to know who you're getting into business with. I am a tongue-speaking, fire-breathing Pentecostal preacher. Like, I'm going to come at you. Like, we are going to live unashamedly, like, for the gospel we're going to go and reach people for the kingdom. Like, that's what I'm trying to do in this life. And if you want to be on board with that, like, let's go. And she's like, I don't know, like, half of the things that you just said, but it sounds great. I'm in. <laughs> How did you know that she wasn't mirroring you? When I, when I, when I learned this, it's a, it's a technique that in the NLP, NLP world, personal development world, and especially with Tony Robbins, he teaches yeah. that. The, the mirroring, you watch someone's mannerisms, and if they move their hand, you move their, your hand. Subconsciously, they start to think, wow, you're connected. Right. Uh, you, can, you can do the last couple of words of their sentence. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, and we go that, how do you know that the girl is not mirroring you because a lot of times when a person hears like, you know, and I see this happen all the time, yeah. dudes get duped, right? 
they are into it, and I, I joke with my wife. Yeah. I'm like, girl, you duped me. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, we used to watch UFC all the time and watch NFL all the time. And she's like, we got kids. I ain't got time for three, four hours. I was like, you used to. And I joke with her saying that she tricked me. Mm. She didn't. I'm very, I, I like, honestly, I'm, I'm very, very blessed that I have my wife. But how do you know? How do you know as a guy that she isn't talking what my dad used to call Christianese? Right. So she's talking Christianese because she hears you and she's like, oh, yes, I'm in. Yeah. And then, you know, four years later, she's like, tricked you. No, I, I mean, that was, a, that was a real thing. I mean, we had even in our first year of marriage, um, she and I are secure enough in our marriage to like be able to share openly about our first year of marriage was really rough. Really? really rough because basically put it this way um the the idolization of marriage that i had created such a falsehood of expectations that once i got in and none of those expectations were met i was just like i got duped what was the first expectation that you were like yo this is supposed to happen because i used to think like like where are we going on the podcast here like hey well i'm telling you we're we're completely open because i had a guy i had a friend of mine who's a pastor he he knows if he's listening he knows his wife knows too and he said he got married and he was uh you know raised in a family where his his mom was always taking care of the laundry and he used to just drop his draws, and his uh, wife used, or his mom used to pick him up. And he got married, and he's a God-fearing man, very, very strong Christian. Yeah. And he said he just was dropping his draws uh, on the floor, and his wife just looked at him and left the draws. And he was like, wait a second, what you, you know, yeah. what are you doing? And yeah. she was like, I ain't your mama. Yeah. What type of <laughs> expectation did you go in with and where, uh, you know? I think there was, there was two things. Okay. Um, and how can people manage that? That expectation. Yeah. From your hindsight now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, the two things were this. Uh, sex. Okay. And emotional connection. Okay. And so uh, I'd put it this way. Like, Jess and I, we didn't have sex before we got married. Um, and Let me high five you on that. Thanks, man. That is, that, say that again. We abstain from having sex. Okay. Until our wedding. How old are you right now? 27. You're a 27-year-old man. You, you've been married for how long? 18 months. Okay, so at 25, you got married. 26. 26. At 26, how long did you date? We dated for, uh, including the engagement, three years. So for three years? It was tough. Okay, three years you didn't have, you did not it have sex. It was tough. Okay, and that's why I'm saying, like, it okay. It was tough. But this is amazing because most of the time men don't speak about that. And it's not, yeah. it's not celebrated in our culture because people are like, well, what if you're not compatible? Yeah, like, hey, you got you to gotta take the car for a test drive before you buy it. Yeah. Like, that's the most BS thing because here's the difference. Uh, my so marriage, you're saying don't take a car for a test drive if you're going to buy a car? No, you I'm just joking that. with you. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm saying is this is the difference of the two. Um, a, a marriage that is outside of the covering of God, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it is centered around sex. A marriage that is within the covering of God is centered around God. And sex is simply a tool that God has given us to be used for closeness, for intimacy, um, for uh, basically I look at it this way. Like I get to do something with Jess that I, I don't do with anybody else that she's not doing with anybody else that is like beautifully designed just for her and I. And the great thing about it is it's literally open field day for us to create what that with God of what it's going to be. 
like there's like that's what it is like like we we don't have to listen to what society or culture or even the church says like that our sex life should be like we get to create that together mm-hmm. um because that's that's her and I's thing that's it's no one else's and so uh I, I would say that like but that like when I came into marriage like I just had this image of like man you're gonna be on the honeymoon and it's just gonna be just Thunder Mountain, Pound Town, all time, all the all day long, right? And it's like, no, that's not real. Like, that's not accurate. And like, also figuring out like how that goes and how like you would just think like, oh yeah, it's it's a pretty simple system, right? You just like, yeah, that is true. But there's so much more to it with the connection, the 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 intimacy. Like when you like move past the physicality of sex and you start getting to the spiritual aspect of that. That's where I was missing it, was I didn't know how to show up spiritually for this. I didn't know how to show up emotionally for this. And so I just started, like, getting tripped up in my mind. And, like, when you're being, like, insecure in bed, when you're being, like, insecure, like, like with your spouse, like, that, you're not going to have what it was designed and intended for to do. And so that was, like, our first experiences together within the honeymoon week. And so I was, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, like, rough. Like, how do we navigate this? And so... All it did, thank God, like, is it opened up a ton of conversation for her and I. Like, we literally just talked all the time about it. And we were just like, we just need to work through this. And, like, the thing that sucked was, like, it was on the backside of of a lot of fights. You know, we were fighting a lot, and I was frustrated. I'm just like, this is what literally the whole honeymoon, I'm just pouting. And, like, it shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way this is not what it's supposed to be like. We're supposed to be lovey-dovey. We're on our honeymoon. Like, it shouldn't be this way. I'm supposed to feel so connected to you, and why don't we feel this way? And, and ultimately, um, I think that we, ultimately, we went through that, and I think that God allowed us to go through that because Jess and I today have such a deep security now in our, like, A, in our sex life, but in our emotional connection with one another. Mm-hmm. I was sharing with you, like, yeah. like we stayed up till 2 a.m. last night just talking about God together. No, when you said, when you said that earlier, it was funny, because can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in men's group today, when, when you said, hey, everybody, <laughs> and we weren't laughing at you, but <laughs> you were like, hey, everybody, you know when you're with your wife and you just experience this conversation and this God moment, and you know, and all this stuff, and everyone in men's group just went blank. They were like, uh, no, 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 uh, maybe? And one of our guys was like, uh, one time when we were dating, uh, and, but it was such an amazing thing because, again, I just think that the uncommonality of who you are and what you do, um, I think needs to be celebrated at a high mm, level. Thanks, so talk, talk us through, but... Tell us in the way that, that you told us in men's group today. Yeah. You were like, hey, guys. <laughs> say it. Say it because it was, it was awesome. Say, like, hey, so, you know, um, you know when you guys are like, you know, having just those great God talks in bed at night with your wife? <laughs> no, I want you. It's just like it, it, it was actually crickets as soon as I said that. And I'm like, uh. Okay, so me and my wife last night were having a great God talk, um, and this is what the conviction I got out of it was where I'm missing it with the Lord, you know, like that was- That was awesome, though. But uh, yeah, I would would say this, though, um, an encouragement, 
yeah. that I have for marriages. Uh-huh. And I'm I'm still so new in the game, but I feel like I like I feel like this experience is is a lifelong thing. Yeah. So I've been told, right, like marry your best friend, do all those things. Um, but I think that the least taboo thing in marriage to talk about is your walk with the Lord, like your relationship with God. And in fact, if I'm doing what I'm called to do as a man of God, it's actually my responsibility to ask Jess about how her relationship with the Lord. And like, hey, how can I help serve you? How can I help yeah. protect this? How can I help come around you and like, like set you up for success? And this was actually within our first year of marriage, a lot of our fights came around to this place where Jess looked at me and, and she just flat out said, I do not feel like you are leading me spiritually. And I, and I would say this, I, I affirm biblical roles. Like I believe that the man has been called and anointed to like lead the woman spiritually, right? I would say that in marriage, we are mutually submitted to one another. Um, but like the man has a, a, a unique anointing placed on him to lead the woman spiritually. And that like, I believe that. And so when she's looking at me and like, yo, you're not doing your job. And in fact, I'm doing your job for me and for you. I was just like, you're right. I saw. You know, like how long it was, does it how long does it take you to come to? Because most of the time, as as human beings and especially as men, we have the tendency to just put our dukes up and be like, "Yo, well, you didn't do dishes, you know, or you didn't do X." Or yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna get in trouble because women are gonna be like, "You're saying that women should do the dishes." I'm not saying that, ladies that no, are no, listening. No, no. What I am saying is that I do the dishes. I, I'll do the laundry. I'll do whatever. Yeah. But I'm saying that most of the time, as men, we have the tendency to get defensive. Like, when totally. something's brought to our attention, we're like, yeah, yeah, but my dad would call it a yeah, but. Right, right. Um, so with that, when Jess would start hitting me with the, the spiritual stuff. Oh. I know where you're going with this one. It's like, it, it changed everything. She hits me with the the practical, the tangibles, uh-huh. right? We were arguing about, you know, the the house being a mess or like I didn't follow through with X, Y, or Z, or I showed up late to this or whatever it might be like, uh, yeah, you know what? We're going to just fight and fight. And there's not really a a solution to that. You know, like, um, that, well, there is just be less prideful, but, um, (laughs) on my end, not her end on my end. But as soon as she started hitting me with the, like, like she wouldn't say it shamefully. Yeah. Here's something I love about my wife so much. Jess has never shamed me. She's never shamed me for never, my, never, never once. And this is like, th- that's even give of, you a hard time, like digging at you in front of your friends no, or whatever the, it is. Like, actually, like she's something. extremely honoring. And so, and that was awesome. like conversations that she had. And, and the fact, like one of the things that we had talked about was um, growing up in the church when it was like, once you get married, like sex is like open game now. And so like the conversations that like a lot of Christian guys have about sex, like it, it's like to them, they're like, oh, now it's. We can talk about it because we can do it, and it's cool. But the reality of it is is that all they're doing is engaging in dishonoring locker room talk about their, the most <laughs> valuable thing that God has placed in their marriage. And I, I, I literally, Jess and I, like, that was part of our conversation last night. We were just engaging, like, like we are not by any means, like, offended or uh, uncomfortable about, co- like, conversations about sex. And in fact, with my friends like that are married and like God freeing people, like mm-hmm. I, I feel like my role as as a, a friend and as like a man of God is to hold other men of God like accountable to that. 
Absolutely. Like, hey, you showing up? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Like, are you taking care of your wife? Like, like that is great. But like doing the whole, yo, yo, like, man, like, I just got some. Or like, hey man, right before this, like we just, yeah, you know, like I'm like, great. Like, why why do you need to put your wife now in that light? Mm-mm. Hey, why are you why are you putting your wife in my mind like that? Like, that's not necessary. And I understand the heart is right because we're like, we all love Jesus. But, hey, just because you love Jesus doesn't mean that you're, like, a, you know, free from doing stupid things and saying stupid things. And so I think, like, that was, like, something Jess and I, like, are very passionate about is we want to actually bring correction to church culture involving t- conversations on sex. Like, it should be talked about a lot. But how you do something, I think, is so much more important than just what you're doing. And so, like, yeah, good to engage in conversations of sex. But if you're going about it in a way that's dishonoring your husband or dishonoring your wife, right, even if it's in a way, like, kind of flexing, oh, my husband can do this or my wife can do this or whatever, like, once again, you are putting images in other people's minds that is dishonoring to the sacredness of what Mm. is between you and your wife. So let's go here, Seth, because I think a lot of people, like, it's, it's amazing the way that you experience God in your life, right? And, um, but I think a lot of times, I think people get hung up on the, the starting point, right? Yeah. And where a person could start, because with you, you were raised with a pastor, right? Mom, you know, mom was a pastor's wife. You grew up on the grounds of the church. I mean, you, yeah. you grew up in these, these areas. Say, let's, let's call it a 45-year-old dude, Right? been wronged, family, um, stress in the marriage, um, you know, didn't start off from, you know, the, the crossed up or whatever the, the, the cross pass. Okay. Yeah. Cross yeah. pass. Didn't start with that. Didn't start with the foundational part. Didn't date for three years and not have yeah. sex. They got into a marriage. Some of them got into a marriage that maybe they got rushed into marriage because yeah, yeah. they had some children. Right. And I'm not, uh, I mean, my wife was pregnant before we got married. Yeah. Um, and they're in that spot and they're like, this sounds amazing, Seth. Like what you're talking about sounds so amazing, but like where do I start? Like, and if I'm tw- 45 or I'm 50 or I'm 35 or wherever, is it too late for me? And how can I start today? Like, I mean, is it, and, and when I start, is it just going to be, rainbows and butterflies and then me turn into a God-fearing man or I mean how can this how can this happen like how can it happen well first off like no one is too stupid for God's plan Mm. no one's too stupid for God's plan like we we don't have that much power (laughs) like how arrogant of us to think like that the God of the universe his plan for my life, I actually can mess that up because I have that much power. Like thinking about that. So I'd put it this way. Um, it's never too late. It's never, like, like, notice Jesus was never late, never early. He was just always right on time. And I would just put it this way. Like, uh, do I think that there's things that we can do that maybe prolong a move of God in our life? Yeah, absolutely. Do I think that, like, like, hey, if we're living a life of sin, that that's going to inhibit us in some way? Like, yeah, for sure. But there's nothing that we can do that, that takes away God's love for us. 
And because of his unconditional love for us, I believe that when he comes and meets you where you're at in that personal way and you acquiesce to that and you finally surrender, that here's what's great, great is where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And, and the thing that we forget is we preach a lot about faith and we kind of like cheapen grace right? That we still got to do something to earn his grace. And so like, so long as I do A, B, and C, I'll get God's grace. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. And that's not what grace is. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's just given to you. And so learning to say, look, um, I'm going to receive God's grace and I'm not going to receive it just in certain areas of my life, but I'm going to learn how to receive it in all areas of my life. And it's not to be dismissive or permiss bad behavior. It's to say, no, because of God's grace, I can be set free from this and, and make different choices. That actually today I can do something different and that can change my tomorrow. And I, I really, really, really believe that if we hone in on understanding the depths of God's grace or like, excuse me, pursuing the depths of God's grace, because we're never going to understand it. It's, mm-hmm. it's outside of our uh, ability to understand. But if we if we can hone in on pursuing that and living from that, I really do believe that we can daily be transformed into the likeness of who Jesus is. And that's what we're called to. We are called to holiness in this life. And holiness is only going to come through the sanctification process of receiving God's grace. So step one is to realize, hey, you ain't all that. And you literally can't do anything that's going to make God love you any less and also love you less so that his plan for your life is is now like completely washed. It, 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 like God doesn't look at somebody and be like, well, oh, Kelly, like you did that. Bummer. I really wanted to do this, but now you're on your own. And I, I think like maybe there's like listeners, I don't know like who your audience is, but like maybe there's listeners out there right now that think that um, that God's like given up on them. And, like, because they have, they keep making the same mistakes over and over again, that they've just, like, come to the end of it. Well, let me just tell you, like, God's grace is not the same as humans' grace. God's mercy isn't the same as humans' mercy. Where we are conditional in all things, he is unconditional in all things. God is an unconditional lover. He's also an unconditional grace giver. Like, he wants to, that was what the cross was all about, was him pouring out grace on us in that moment, even though we don't deserve it. And that wasn't just for some people, that was for all people. And so where you're at in life right now, uh, here's the deal. Today can be the day that radical change happens. And radical change doesn't necessarily mean swinging from one end of the spectrum to the other. Like when we say radical, um, a lot of times we think extreme. When I say radical, I really honestly just believe that like, it, it can just be the difference of no longer believing that you have to be your own savior. Like that's a pretty radical belief of like <laughs> receiving Jesus as your Lord and savior. And then the, the, you know, it's, it's nice to make God our savior. Like everybody wants to be saved, but then learning like, what does it mean to make God our Lord? Right? Like, like letting him be the ruler of our lives, letting him be the one that is leading us, guiding us. That's what it means to be like walking like a spirit led life. Yeah. is acquiescing to him in that. And in doing that, making him your Lord and Savior, um, now this is what I actually believe is all that stuff 
from the past now becomes your platform. That actually becomes the place that you get to speak to other people who were in that same place. And you get to say, hey, look, I was there. I experienced that. I went through that. I fell short. I don't deserve to be here, but because God is so good, because he's so great, he's actually taking me from my place of imperfection and undeserving uh, uh, fallibleness, right? Like just, oh, I'm just always going to mess up. He's taking me from that, and he's taking all of my mess, and he's now literally making it my platform to speak into other people's lives about his unconditional love and how he can transform lives. That right there, to me, is pretty radical. The process might take time, but the moment is so radical and it's like that to me is what fires me up about ministry i am not the best teacher right like bible theologian like i'm still growing in that i'm I'm not great at just like recalling scripture in the moment um like i i i want to grow in that ability um but i am passionate passionate about seeing the lost saved and i am so a-okay with dedicating my life even if that means taking a pay cut to seeing the lost save, because I think that it's that important. It's that valuable. Like I just want to see people saved and I'm not good at the whole street evangelism thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not I, like, I, I got a niche. Like I, I, I'm, I'm okay at the one-on-one stuff, but like, I really, I really want to just see the lost saved. And, um, and so that, that's like where also the golf thing came in. Yeah. Uh, like I, I've, my dad taught me golf when I was seven and I'm glad that he did, but like where it's kind of gone to now, like over the last couple of years because of the pandemic golf was the only thing that we could do. And so I went on a whole nother like deep dive of like, all right, I'm going to give my life to like playing golf and like trying to do this. Like, because <laughs> I just got so much joy and value out of yeah. it. Um, and because it was the only thing that we could do, it was my best, the best way for me to grow in community. And so there was actually, there's an organization out there called Random Golf Club. They're now out of, based out of Austin, Texas, and they're an international organization that's literally just about growing the game of golf and changing all of those, like, stuffy stereotypes about the game that's, wow. like, just like an old white man sport. Like, no, like, their catchphrases, like, all are welcome. And it's so sick to see, like, over the last two years of being involved with that, I've met people that I never would have met. Um, I've had the opportunity to be a part of probably a dozen people's very first round of golf ever. And, and here's the thing, everybody sucks when they start, like everybody's terrible when they start, but there's always one moment where they like either sink a putt or they like connect the ball the right way and it flies the right way or whatever. And it's, I just call it the shot. Like it's the one shot of the round. And that moment is the moment that I'm always just watching out for, for others, because championing that for other people is literally what keeps them coming back and it keeps the experience. And so all that to say, I know that it kind of got off on like a crazy tangent, but in regards to your question, uh, it's, it's never too late to have a God encounter. Hmm. It's never, you can never like, uh, we've heard great stories of people that are literally like in their eighties, like encountering Jesus and having their lives radically changed and like living out the their last final days here on this this earth like just in glory for the king and so like it's never too late and you're not you're not too dumb for God's plan um (laughs) and and just remembering like we like God is a great God he's a big God he's so good he's so great he's so big and um and the plan that he has for our lives like it's a great plan. We just have to position and posture ourselves the right way 
Like, are we going to, are we going to sit at his feet or are we going to just try and do everything for him? That's where my big issue is. I struggle sitting at his feet. I want to do all the things for him, but I don't want to do a lot of things with him. It's not a heart like issue. Like I'm not like, oh, I don't want, no, it's just like, I, I tend to find myself being a Martha, not a Mary, you know, like I, I'm, Explain that to a person who doesn't yeah, understand. So the there's, a, there's a story, the Mary and Martha, and, and Jesus comes over to their house, and Mary just sits at his feet and just, like, spends time with him. And Martha's running around the house, like, cleaning and cooking, you know, just, like, getting the, you know, hamburger helper ready and, like, just going for it. Martha is sitting at the feet, or Martha's doing the stuff? Doing the stuff. So Martha is works. She's doing all the yeah. tasks. Yeah, Mary's just sitting there chilling. And and she's the, uh, if, if if we can, she's the religious one. And the difference between religion and relationship is that you try and do tasks to get involved with a person. It's like that dude who would wear all the right stuff when Ed Hardy first came out, and he'd wear all the Ed Hardy and do all the right things and have the right lines to think the girls liked him. But then there was the guy who had none of that that had game that got all the ladies. So to the people out there that, that are listening... That so a Martha is running around doing all the right things. He's the yeah. he's the dude, ladies, that you don't want to talk to at the bar. Yeah. But the Mary is like, I'm sitting at the feet. I'm just hanging out. I'm just yeah. being. Yeah. Okay. I, go ahead. Yeah. Like so on that, it, it's um, you hear a lot of people be like, oh, like I I get it all the time out on a golf course when they find out that I'm a pastor. Oh, good lord. They always hit this. They're like, oh, like typically it's like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like super religious myself. I'm spiritual. Or, you know, sometimes I'll do that. But like, yeah, but typically it's just, I, I hear it like, I'm not religious. I'm not religious, right? And, um, and I don't want to do the cliche thing of like, you know, like Jesus isn't in the business of religion. Like he's in the business of relationship. Like, yeah, we've, we heard that. We know that. But like, I'm going to be really honest with you. The world's heard that and they just mock it. They're like, get over it. So it's a bumper sticker. Yeah. It's just like, that's not effective. Um, what what would be effective though is phrasing it this way what separates christianity from every other religion in the world what's the difference and i would put it this way well every religion in the world has the same premise that if you do x and you do y then the outcome hopefully at the end is that you get to z which would be either enlightenment or heaven or uh you know reincarnation or whatever it might be like it, but it's like you have to do this and this and this and this and then hope that you're good enough to achieve whatever it is that you want where christianity jesus came on the face of the earth and literally flipped it on its head said no 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 none of you are good enough and you could never do anything to be good enough. And because God is perfect and you are imperfect, sorry, it's never going to happen. So I'm going to do it for you. And I'm going to take on that role. And I'm going to do the impossible and live the perfect life and then atone for your sins. And so what's the difference between Christianity and all the other world religions out there? It's very, very simple. Where everything and every other religion is about what can I do to get to God. Christianity is about all about celebrating what God did to get to us. And in that place, we then are left with this very interesting predicament of how are we going to re- respond? Are we going to choose to surrender to it, give our lives over to it? Or are we going to choose 
because we have that ability to mm-hmm. make that say, I'm actually, I'm good. I'll pass. But what and about, I'll, what about the people that have a challenge? I mean, with, with what you're saying, they have a challenge because <clears throat> they're judging God on man's inconsistencies. And uh, my, my buddy yeah. and I, my buddy Will and I talked about this, that what, I, what we, we discussed one time was that, that Christian people turn more people away from God than anybody else. Mm. And which is sad because yeah. even my daughter, right, McKenna, who here's a station it's identification. A great it's a great, great name. name. Phenomenal. Yeah. It's not spelled the same. It's M-A-K-E-N-A, the right way. Um, I'm just juggling. Uh, but it is spelled that way. But so for McKenna, um, for all of you guys listening, this is a station identification. I don't do many commercials, but I am going to do a commercial for her. Um, Aviara Oaks Middle School. They have a drama department. And they, oh, yeah. they have a drama department, and they need funding to be able to do the musical. Now, they want to do a top-level musical, and so I'm going to have a link in the bio where you can go and you can donate to this. But I have committed myself not only to talking about it every day and on every podcast until this thing happens, but also putting my money where my mouth is yeah. to be able to do it. But getting back to McKenna. The link will be in the bio, so you guys can all uh, donate, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later more. But my daughter in seventh, uh, eighth grade now, she said, you know, Dad, it's, it's tough sometimes. I said, why? She said, because a lot of times people at school, they think because you're a Christian, you're just going to be judging people because, you know, they're gonna, you're going to be selling, telling people they're going to hell, and you're not doing this right, and they're doing the right. And I said, well, why do you think that? She said, because there are some kids at my school that, that do that. And it hurt my heart, but when me and my friend Will were talking about it, he's my best friend in the world since fourth grade, shout out to Will. We were talking about it, he's like, yeah, dude, I mean, more people, I mean, people who are, have a picket sign on the side of the freeway or whatever it is, it's like, turn your life, all this stuff. That, I've never seen someone stop and be like, oh, yeah, I realized it. I, was, I have never been on the Santa Monica Pier yeah. and been like, oh, my gosh, Look at that guy. He just turned, he just stopped smoking weed or stopped drinking alcohol and turned because that dude was shouting at him with the hip pack Walkman on his hip with the sign that was saying, you're going to burn. Yeah. So how, how does a person reconcile that? Yeah. You know, because that's the, I mean, would you agree that a lot, I mean, a lot of people are turned away by? I'm turned away by. It makes me like embarrassed. I look at that stuff and I see it and it, it, it infuriates me because the heart, like I have to give the credit of this. I think their heart truly at the core of it is in a right place. This is a good place. Yeah. yeah. Like they want to see people saved and they're, they're like communicating, like they're communicating a truth, right? A lot of them I, I see, you know, Jesus is the way that you, like that is true. That is truth. So I they're saying heard, the right words. I, I Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, like... But it is skewed sometimes. Very much so. Very much so. But I would honestly say, like, like the message is lost in the delivery. <laughs> say Say that again. Say it slow. I would say that for... It's not just them, but for a lot of Christians, the reason why we push people away from God is because the message is getting lost in the delivery. And at the end of the day is this. Jesus was a righteous man. He was a holy man. He was also a loving man. Every action that he did was filtered through love. 
And so, and, but here's the thing is the way that we interpret love is always just like nice. Like, no, 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 no. Like there was moments that Jesus was like very direct to the point, aggressive. There was time over the tables. Yeah. But like notice, notice how Jesus lived his life. Like he was constantly meeting people where they were at. Mm. He was also when he was on, you know, he was just going with his weekly schedule, doing what he was doing. He was also available. He wasn't so, so fixated on his tasks or his sketch or whatever it might be that he was unavailable to the person on the side of the road or whatever it might be. This is imagery of yeah. today's day yeah. and age. Okay. How can a um, person be more available? I mean, because it's like, Nowadays, we have so many things. I got a text coming in. Then I got an email coming in. Then I got at this meeting. And now I'm not only on a meeting, but I can be on a FaceTime, Zoom. And then I've got kids. And then I've got, uh, you know, raising money for AOMS, which all of you are going to help me to do. So my my daughter could be in that musical. You got all these things. And you're saying, like, the key is to be available? Yeah. under Like, I... I get where that's tough because we live in the, the day and age where we, uh, we praise busyness, right? Ooh. Right. We like today in our society, like the number one response on how you're doing is uh, either I'm tired or I'm busy, <laughs> which both are saying the exact same thing. Do you think that people take that as a badge of honor nowadays? hundred percent. I also think that it's just like people are uncomfortable with being truly vulnerable and so because of that, it's just like, this is what we've blanketed as the AOK statement just to say, like, I'm good. Instead of actually just getting to the point, because, like, here's the deal. To, to be available, it means that there's going to be a sacrifice. So in order for us to have a connecting conversation, right, there's a sacrifice. There's a choice that's made in that moment. It might be, hey, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have 15 things in my to-do list today. I'm only going to have five because I need to have margin to be emotionally available. You need to have space. I need to have space, right? Wow. So we don't we don't champion living life with margins. And I'm not good at this. Like I, I am, this is where the Lord is really working on me. Where, like, where are you failing at? I think that I, I really struggle with just like time management. Like I'm not good at setting myself up to be like punctual or be like I mean I even showed up to like men's group late you know like how many eight, minutes were you late to eight men's minutes, group eight minutes eight late. minutes yeah man. and so like I, God's gonna make you stand outside of heaven for like eight minutes no it's, Adrian if you're listening you got four minutes yeah <laughs> <laughs> Adrian had to get to work and yeah. he, he was like hey I gotta go I said hey it's eight twenty six yeah you know what I'm saying or, yeah, yeah it's eight twenty six yeah. four minutes he's leaving four minutes early. Does God work like that? Is he like, you know, hey, you did this for four minutes, so I'm going to get you back? Nah, God's not tick for tack. He isn't? No. Nah, nah. Tick for tack? Yeah. I thought it was tit for tat. Whatever. You said tick for tack. I've never heard that before. Yeah, you know, like tic-tacs. Where, where are you? tick Like tic-tacs? Like tic-tac-toe. I don't know if it goes tic-tac-toe, that way. Tic-tac-toe, you know? What, bingo, I, bango, bongo, you know? I want the producers of this show, I want them to research this. Bingo, bango, bongo? I don't even know if that's a thing. Jess, you need to get your man. That's her father-in-law. My, my father-in-law. Does he, he does the bingo, bango, bongo? Yeah. And I've never heard tick for tack. Never. I've heard tit for tat. Amen. But this could be a new thing. Hey. I'm but I could be, be really wrong. Honest. Hey, just can you receive the heart posture here? <laughs> Can, hey, my message was lost in its delivery. 
<laughs> so I want, I really, I want this okay. to happen. I want us to research and see if this is tit for tat or if it's tick for tack. Because I'll change. I literally just thought like tic-tac-toe, like tick for tack. Like, I've know. got 47 years in and I'm willing to change for you, Seth. My friendship with I'm you just telling means you right now, bro. That much. I... I kind of sometimes just say, just do it. I just like speak my own language. What else is those dad things? You said your, your, your father-in-law has some dad things like the, you know, the bingo, bingo, bongo. Yeah. He does that. What does your dad do? What's his dad sayings? Oh, he hits me with this one. Like, so Jess and I, we just moved down to San Diego. Okay. Like two months in and, um, and we, we're still looking for like a place to live. So we're just in temporary houses. Just in cars. Just live in the car. Literally out of our cars. <laughs> and then we have, we have, <laughs> we have a great bed to sleep on. Yes. But that's, that's about okay. it. And so, um, but he would look at us and says, well, it looks like you guys got both feet planted right in midair. <laughs> and the, when you hear that, you're like, I don't really know what that means. And then you sit on it, like let it marinate for 30 seconds. That's, you're a, like, dad, that's actually, a dad saying. Actually, that, that's, it's actually kind of profound. Yeah. Like if you think about it, like that's exactly the way to explain how I feel right now. I'm in the midst of transition. <laughs> There's no stability. I got both feet planted right in midair. And so like, that, I would say that's one. But um, How does your father-in-law respond to you being a pastor? He's not a pastor. No. Okay. No, he was a salesman. Salesman, okay. Um, How does he respond to it? I think that initially... Does he understand it? Yeah, I think initially it... Uh, what do you call him? You call him dad? No, I call him Big Wave. You call him Big Wave. You yeah, don't call him by his first name, do you? Well, his name's Dave. Yeah, but I wouldn't call him by his first name. No, no, no. Like no. when I first when I first met him, I was like Mr. Leseski, and he Thank was just you. like, "You can either call me Dave or Big Wave." Like okay. that's it. Yeah, and I, I ain't like, trying to call the dad okay. by their first name. This was a tough one because my father-in-law, yeah. I love him. I, uh, I called him Master P for a bit. Now I call him Grandpa. Nice. You know, he was like, "No, you call me by my first name." I was like, "No," because yeah. my dad will smack me. Yeah. She, he's like, "Well, you're." You know, I mean, my dad's in heaven right now, yeah. and I was like, "But my dad will come down from heaven." You know what I mean? I'll get to spend some time with him, but it'll just be because he's going upside my head. Is what it is. So, <laughs> oh, pops, you know what I'm saying? Like, pops could hear me right now, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, boy, that's yeah. what I'm saying." Yeah, ain't no first names. Yeah, and no, in no, my no, neighborhood, no. this is weird because in my neighborhood, all the kids. They call all the adults by their first name. It's it's like I would say one of the like the biggest downfalls of our like the generational changeover was like lo- losing the honor of just like like just honoring our like adults. Like I'll tell you this. Like I've never like when I was raised as a kid, it was always Mister and Mrs. Yes. And then like if they were a pastor, it was always Pastor so and so. Now I know like part of that is two things. Like part of that is uh, as the generations grew, like. Like, there was, like, a, I don't want to accept the fact that I'm now a Mr. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right? No, just call me Seth, like, whatever. Or, uh, hey, I don't, like, I don't like the um, being treated different with a certain title. Um, And so, like, that's what you see a lot in ministry right now. Like, a lot of pastors, like, are not addressed as pastor so-and-so. And And where there's, I, I see this, like, weird place that's held there. Because in one camp, I'm like, no, we need to honor. Like, hey, you are you're a man or a woman of God that's been like called into the ministry. Yeah. Like, and so we're gonna address you as like the like a place of honor, right? It's a respect thing. Okay. Right. Um and, and both things have pros and cons. Yeah. The, the flip side is like, no, I want to be approachable, right? Like uh, I don't want to be treated 
better than or or yeah. or, or separate than that of the like I, I would hate this like people know I'm a pastor and if like they're out there just like going crazy cussing and swearing and they turn they're like oh sorry oh sorry you know like like all right first off not offended second off why'd you make it weird you know like that's like kind of my thing um like <laughs> normal guy want to just be a boy you know like hang yeah. out with the boys do the thing like um but but it's this weird place because I believe of honoring people in the anointing that God has given them. Okay. Um, but but at the same time, like not taking that to the extent where like people abuse that. And I think that that's where the, the downside is, is like there's pastors out there that abuse that title. Yeah. And they've used that to uh, emotionally manipulate people and like and like try and climb, you know, the ladder of success over people. And it's just wrong. It's wrong. So it's once again, living life balance, living in that place of 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 honor as well as honor like for the person honoring yeah. the platform and that was like I, I just got off of a six month sabbatical so I was out of ministry for six months six months sabbatical literally what'd you do uh, did you just like, I golfed I slept in on Sundays this is hey Jess you are awesome my wife shout out to Jess yes yeah and the, your wife let you take six months and just golf and do was this during the pandemic. This was just the, like the last six months. Last six months, January to June. Wow. Um, so, will everyone out there be able to meet a Jess that is able to? So, if you go on, what is it? Crossed up. Cross paths. Okay. Crossed up. Crossed dot up. com. <laughs> go on crossed up. Dot com. You're gonna find you a hit him with a, a god, tween tween. A, 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 hit him with a tic tac, uh, and you're gonna find a Jess who's gonna let you just <laughs> Jess six months sabbatical. Yeah. That's gangster. So cool. And I was, and, and like the thing was, is I, I did like little side hustles here and there. Like, uh, like I said. Side hustle, uh, like what? So like, I, I you like. You get your Uber on? No, no, no. Like I, it wasn't a formal job. It was literally like freelance work. So like I, um, when I got into ministry, I wanted for the youth group to have like dope lights. So I learned how to like do lighting. And that okay. just has grown over the last six years where like now I'm like kind of this like intermediate lighting designer slash lighting director. And so I think I have a client for you. And so I, I actually like for small churches, I'll go in and like build out lighting sets for them and wow. program it and like help train the volunteers or whatever. And so, um, over the course of the last six months, like there was just various like, Hey, can you come and do our worship night? Can you come and do this or whatever? Um, yeah. this music video or something like that. So, um, so I was doing that and, um, and then, I was actually just kind of mainly that. Like, literally the goal of it was I didn't know how to rest. Um, was that us? I don't know. I, I think just, it was. I just heard of, like, I know a, everything good? I think everything's good. Keep going. Let me see. It says our micro SD card is full. Oh, it's okay. Okay. We're money? We're money. Okay. This is the live, real, raw. This uncut. is the live, real, and raw. I think you know what it was. Actually, that wasn't me. No, it wasn't me either. That's not. What That's we're crazy. Okay, that was so in keep my going. headphones. I know it was in mine too. That's all right. That's a live, real, and raw. That's how we do it around here. Let's go. Let's so, go. anyways, so uh, she, so six months sabbatical. Yeah, and Jess is the best wife in the world. Yeah, yes, she is second best. That's cool too. I'd argue that all day long. <laughs> But for the sake of the shout podcast, out, shout I, out to yeah. Brooklyn, but um, Brooklyn in the house. What I needed to learn was like how to truly rest. Like I didn't know how to do that, 
and I had to do a lot of like wrestling with identity stuff. I mean, I, in January when I transitioned out of, um, my dad's church, like I literally, there was weeks on end where I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to step foot in the church as a vocational pastor Mm. again. Like I, I didn't lose my love for God, but I definitely like lost my love for like being for a the pastor, ministry. Yeah, doing the ministry, the ministry. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so it was, um, it was extremely healing over the six months. I, I was heavily involved with like therapy and, and, uh, doing a lot of just like soul searching during that time. Um, and which now had brought me into this place of coming down here to San Diego, joining daybreak and just having seriously like this ramp of healing, like this, this pathway laid out, like I've been on the sickest healing journey and over like within the first week at daybreak, literally there was like conversations that I was having meetings that I was having where I'm like, God, this is answers to prayer. Mm. Like you are like literally healing things on the inside of me right now. And it's, it's a staff meeting. Come on, who gets healed in the middle of a staff meeting? I was, it was so sick. Talk to him too. Uh, this morning, like this morning, something that hit me was, um, you were saying you were raised as a pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've been a pastor mm-hmm. and you had never really experienced a men's group. No. And so tell me about that. And then tell me like you came and sometimes people come and then they just don't come anymore. Yeah. Why'd you come back? I think I, I recognize the value for community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think community should just be exclusive to people that are my like peers, my age. Um, so yeah. I have phenomenal community with Chandler, Marcus, their wives, it, like, like the six of us, um, Ben has been awesome at the church. Like people have been really great coming alongside and like making Jess and I feel welcome and supported here. Yeah. Um, but I, I believe that for me as a man, it's also important for me to be in community. Yeah. And so when I came in, um, it was, I was just very analytical. Like am I, you know, just feeling everybody out. And when I just saw like, all right, these dudes are, are raw. They're real. Where, you know, there's not a whole lot of, I didn't feel like anybody was just trying to flex in there. And what I mean by that is like either tout their biblical knowledge or, um, or turning it into like group therapy session. Like those two things like kind of can get a little uncomfortable. I just felt like, no, like we're going to be straightforward and we're going to just search the scriptures together. Um, but at the same time, we're going to create an atmosphere that is, is conducive if you are not a church goer or don't even know who God is, I think you could still feel comfortable and welcome in the group yeah. because the premise, it being around the Bible and it being around our conversations about God and whatnot, yeah, that's the centerfold of it. But um, but the avenue that we do that is through like, I want to get to know your, like you. I want to get to know, like you did a great job creating a welcoming atmosphere. Thank and you. so um, I got invited from Chandler yeah. And actually, my first week going, you weren't there. Yeah. It was, it yeah, was yeah. at the church, and there was just four of us, and we just sat around, and it was like, this is super dope. And I left. I went and started my work day. I'm like, man, like, I feel really full today. Like, I just feel filled up. I feel jazzed. Like, and I'm not a morning guy. And it was, I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. And today, I woke up, and uh, and I had excitement coming in today. It's awesome. I was I was just excited to come and sit, and, and it was, every time I come, there's new faces. <laughs> 
I don't know if that's like no. I mean, it, it has just, been, it, and it's growing, and and I think the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because I think that there's there's so much power in men's groups, and whether it be through a church men's group, I have a, a secular one too that's just bu- that's business. Yeah. Um, these men's groups, like I wish I would have known about them earlier. Just like I wish I would have known about the Chamber of Commerce. Right. Like, and when I say that, how how could you segue that? Honestly, the Chamber of Commerce for any young business person, any young business person, any young entrepreneur. You should be a member of your chamber of commerce. It is like shooting fish in a barrel to get business. Huh. It is the craziest, like, because most of the time we're out there hustling, showing what we do. Here's my card. Right. Come and see me. At the chamber of commerce, it's the other way. You have 75, 100, especially Carlsbad's. Carlsbad's, everyone's coming up and being like, what do you do? How can I send 50 people to you? Is that okay? I'm like, this is the craziest thing ever. Whoa. Like, and I never knew it. And it's the same way with, with men's group. Because once you start a men's group, like, and you have m- multiples in it, it's amazing. Like right. I was telling you about, I mean, these guys always, that are listening to the podcast, they hear the commercial all the time for the, for the hideout. Yeah. And we've actually transferred it into two and a half days. And this is not a sale. We don't sell the hideout. We don't. Everyone who's coming to the hideout knows that it's for them. Now, does it cost? It does. Yeah. But we're not, like, when I get on the phone with someone, when I, because you have to put in an application for it. They call me and they're like, okay, so how, how, you know, why should I come? And I'm like, if you know you should come, then you'll be there. There's 12 spots and this is not a sales call. You know what I'm saying? So, but the, I think the men's group part of it is something that a lot of times, like a lot of people just aren't aware of it. And I wish I would have been aware of it earlier because I could have been around a person like you that's 18 months into their marriage. And I'm like, wow, like. I've been about 14 years in Wow, and I'm learning, I'm gleaning from you. Cause I'm like, I need to have that. Uh, Hey everybody. Uh, you know, when you just have that real good God conversation with your wife, like, <laughs> well, I need to get back to that. Yeah. And then on the flip side of it, when you're sitting and talking with Kev, yeah. you know, Kev's been married, you know, 15, 20, 30 years. And, or I don't know how many exactly, but you're talking to Mr. Kev and, I mean, you're going to get some wisdom, right? right. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're going to get some wisdom dropped yeah. on you. I just think it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, we, we are not meant to do life alone. We weren't, it's not how God designed it. Like he designed for us to be in community. That's the value of church. That's the value of church is a body of believers coming together to be in community and share in the communal aspect of worshiping our God. What do you wish more people in the church would do to make it more, um, let's say, uh, inviting for a person who's never come before? Because, again, like I have friends that are like, I'll just say, you know, or they'll ask me on Sunday to do something. I'll be like, well, I'm going to church on uh, Sunday at at 9. I'd love for you to come. And they're like, I'm not really a church person. And when I hear that, I'm like, you've been wrong. Like you've been hit with it. If you were talking to, like, we grabbed, you know, the whole congregation of the church where you're at at daybreak, and you were able to talk to them, like, unfiltered to say, guys, when you do this, it stops people from coming. Yeah. What would you say? And I won't tell anyone. So this is completely confidential. (laughs) I would say um, when you're not living the way that you proclaim that you believe, that's probably the very first thing 
that people notice. Like, I'll tell you right now, like, you don't have to be a, a God person or a Jesus follower to be able to sniff out someone who's being a phony. And so when you got the person that's, like, raising a hallelujah on Sunday, but Monday comes and they're treating their coworkers like crap mm. or their employees like crap or they're... Um, or they don't know how to honor their wife. And so they're running in social circles and they're, they're always degrading their wife. Um, tell me right now, how can I look at you and say, you're a man of God? That, like, I want that. Like, no, like there's no, if I can't see the transformation in your life, what, what's the invitation? There's no, there's nothing that is enticing to me. Think about like you, I, I mean, I don't know everything about you um, and I don't know exactly what your, your like main field, but I know that, you're an influencer and I know that you help people in business and um, you would never go to them and, and like give them like, here's how to like do all of this stuff to be successful. And then you in your own life, not do those things. Like, in fact, the only reason why you're able to tell them to do all these things that are going to make them successful is because you first had to probably do that for years upon years upon years to earn the credibility to be able to even say that. That's just on the superficial level of just business, corporate, whatever. Like who, like whatever, okay. Like when we talk about God and like as Christ followers, like we are his ambassadors. Mm. I love this idea about like what an ambassador is. It's not just somebody who reps the t-shirt. It's somebody who embodies the brand. Like think about like what that is. Like when, when companies bring on ambassadors, yeah. right? What those ambassadors are buying into is not just that like, Hey, I'm collecting a paycheck from you and free clothes or free whatever. And you're going to use my platform for marketing, right? Like ambassadors, at least if it's going to be done right and, and done that's sustainable is the people that are saying, no, I'm going to buy into whatever your company is or whatever your brand is. And I, and the reason why our partnership works well together is because I already embody that or I'm willing to commit to embodying that. And so there's a standard that's set. And at the end of the day, as Christians, there's a standard set that when we surrender our life to God, if you want to say there's a transaction, like the transaction is like, yeah, your, your soul is saved. Your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. But, um, but it costs you something. It costs you living life over to your flesh, over to your pride, over to your desires above God's desires, trying to, it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to cost you um, believing that your ways are higher than his ways. Like there's, there's a, there has to be a surrendering there. And so at the end of the day, like uh, I, I would just say to, to church people, um, you want to, you want to make your invitation worthwhile. You want to make your invitation actually exciting. Somebody get hears that invitation and they're like, yeah, like I'm in it. Um, then you best be living what it is that you proclaim you believe and you best be like, like, and, and, and that doesn't mean perfection. Hear me out. Yeah. It does not mean perfection at Thank all you for that. because here's even the deal. Your boy's a pastor and I fail every day, literally fail every day. And I fail, uh, in honoring God in my marriage. I fail in honoring God in my friendships, my relationships. I feel like I fail. And, and, but with that, 
we are not called to perfection. We are called to pursuing holiness. There's a, there's a very distinct difference between the two. And you only achieve holiness through spending time with God. Literally, like, you become holy because he is holy. And so it's like you're, you know, I picture it almost like you're, you're catching the cologne because you're in the room with him. And it's, he's the only one that's got it. But you're catching it because you're just around him, right? You ever been with, and you're like, I, you smell like somebody. Like, you yeah. smell like this person I know, right? Because you've been with them. Unless it's X bad, body spray. Right. No, 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 no. You don't like, want that. Hey, our sixth grade boys love of God. Oh, like, it's just, just, just strong. rough. Camps. Just strong. Oh, bro. But with that, um, <laughs> so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is actually on the responsibility of the church leaders. Because, like, the church people are, are like, you know, they're, they're kind of the hands and feet to, to, you know, invite people and bring, and, and they're, they're the people that, um, really create the experience of community. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also on church leaders. Um, do you care more about programming or do you care more about his presence? <sighs> now, also recognize this, you're talking to a guy that champions systems and operations, and that's one thing that I love so much about being at Daybreak is they have phenomenal systems. However, I'll tell you this, and I can vouch for this, and the one thing that I love so much about being on the staff is every single system is designed in pursuit of his presence. Wow. We start literally, pray first is the very first core value of our, of our staff. Everything, we start pray first. Before we do anything, we pray. We seek his presence. And it's not just the quick, like, Lord, help us in this meeting. Okay, amen. Like, no, no, no. Like, we spend significant time. And actually, Pastor Jason Graves, like, he checked us in our staff meeting. And he's like, we can't just do the, like, hey, let's pray for one another for the next 10 minutes kind of thing. We got in a group huddle in our staff meeting. And for, like, three-fourths of our staff meeting, we literally just spent in a circle praying for our church and asking God to pour out blessing and favor and covering on us. Like, like that, those are the things. So, so I would say like church leaders out there, like let's value his presence over the programming. Um, and let's design our programming for services to always give the opportunity to let God's presence take the center platform. Like, that's the key. And so I would say this, like, why, why do some churches uh, shrink and die? Because they're dead churches. You show up, and it's just a group of people in a building. I'm going to be really honest with you. It's probably just better to go down to the brewery at the end of the street because, like, there's a lot more life there than there are in some of our churches. And, like, that's kind of crazy when you think about it. I kind of, like, the reason why I went there is I kind of have this dream of, like, launching a church in a brewery one day. Like, I think it would be super sick. <laughs> but, um, but... Uh, you're doing it in a winery, then you just get communion all the time. My wife would show up. Dude, My so wife would be hard. there like every day. Yeah, that's so hard. I'm just joking with you. I mean, but, now yeah. a lot of people are going to be like, you just called your wife a wino. She only drinks two occasions yeah. when she's by herself or with other people. So <laughs> but, just joking. Yeah, but with that, like, like there's been such a disservice because I think uh, – in the realm of technology, like our culture of technology today yeah. and, um, and specifically social media. Well, in the church world, like being a pastor, like, uh, the thing that plagues pastors is, um, is the, the plague of comparison. Yeah. And so you see what that church is doing. You and see you what that church is doing. You see how many people got baptized and you saw how many people gave their life to Jesus and you do all this. And it just leaves you feeling so inferior and like, look at how the enemy has woven himself in to every single facet that like, 
what what could be intended for good like is only being used for evil it's literally breaking relationships down it's causing pastors to fall into insecurity rather than like championing the calling and the anointing that god has placed on their life and like if i was to like one day i hope i get the opportunity to speak to a room full of pastors you will because you you're talking to them right now like what i want to do is like what i feel like needs to happen is there needs to be a call out to call up moment call them out and say, stop being so insecure. Stop this comparison game. Stop living. Like that is so wrong that you have turned to focusing on what another person is doing and being jealous of the the calling that God has placed on their life rather than stewarding what God has placed on your life. And like how many people now have been not influenced and impacted because you're so busy and so distracted, fixated on what somebody else has been called to rather than championing and stewarding what God has called you to do. And I think that God has called all of us for greatness. He has greatness in all of our lives. We are the ones that start segregating that out and determining who's greater and who's less and and all that stuff. We do that. God doesn't do that, right? The greatest in the kingdom is the least of these, right? He, He like, it's God just does things a little bit different than we do it. And, and so because of that, I would just say, first off, Stop the insecurity. Go back and sit at his feet and just take a moment to get, how about this? I go back to this all the time. I've, I have to go back to that time when I was nine years old, getting called in. Because I, that's the moment when I go, did I miss that? Did, did I miss it? Did God actually not speak to me? And it's like, no, of course, like, it, it might as well have been that he was standing right there. It was that tangible. It was that real. And so for pastors, you should be in ministry because you've had a moment like that, not because you just thought it would be a good thing to do. So that could also be the sidetrack thing. Hey, if you actually haven't been called and anointed to be in ministry, then get the heck out because it's not the great thing to be in if you're not called and anointed for it. Like, just don't. And that's what I wrestled with over the last six months was I had to literally go back to that place and be like, is this what I was called to do? Is this what I've been anointed to do? I had to ask this, am I still anointed to do this? And, and I would say that, like, have that soul-searching moment. And then, and then from there, if you can remove yourself from the comparison game, now, are you leading and stewarding your churches? That every single gathering, every single Sunday, every single worship thing, like, that the centerfold focus of that is being in God's presence and letting his glory and his um, majesty been, be magnified within that place, and that's what the purpose of the platform is? Or is it to grow your own brand, right? Hey, just become a life coach. Just do that, you know? Like, or, or is it to be, you know, is it to, like, to try and highlight your great worship team? Like, hey, that's awesome go just be an artist, you know? And I I would just say like, man, you know, at the end of the day, I come back to this though, but how cool is it that we serve a God that uses just such broken and perfect people to carry out a message of perfection? Like how crazy is that? And like, that's the thing that I think keeps me grounded in this is like, no, I know how undeserving I am to be in ministry. Mm -hmm. That's my greatest fear is that like my my imperfection is going to get in the way of somebody else encountering God's presence. My, my, my imperfection, my humanness is going to get in the way of somebody else encountering his love 
And in fact, because of my, you know, being a sinful fallen man, that that would actually inhibit someone coming to Christ. Like that's like probably one of my greatest fears. Um, But that's where it comes back to the cycle of what is God's grace. And if his grace can cover it, then he can prepare you for it and he can position you for it and he can anoint you for it and he can empower you to then do it. And at the end of the day, like I, I can't do anything, but through his empowerment of his Holy spirit, I can now get through anything and I now can actually do the thing that he's called me to do. No one is qualified to preach the gospel. No one is. But God, through his divine nature and his, his unconditional love anoints people and equips people to be able to do so. And I think that that is like literally one of the most mind-blowing things to me, that that's the God that we serve. There is not another religion out there on the face of the earth that has that kind of intimacy. People always, at the end of the day, are left second-guessing whether or not they're good enough. But with our relationship with God, there is such a peace in knowing that even in my imperfection, even in my fallen nature, even when I fall short, he still loves me. And he still desires to use me. And he still desires to, to partner with me. Who does that? Only the God of the universe. Only Jesus. It's only him. And that's what I want for people to experience, is that they can grasp. This is what I'm called to. Man, imagine what will happen in people's lives if husbands and fathers got this, right? This is what I know that this whole um, weekend is about, the hideout weekend, right? Is that, like, just picture a generation that can be changed when husbands and fathers embrace the calling and the anointing that God has given them as a dad and a man of God to lead their family and steward that. Just picture how incredible homes will be when moms embrace the understanding that They don't have to have it all together in order for their kids to turn out good. In fact, them portraying that is the very thing that could lead their kids astray. Mm. It's in the vulnerability of their their inability to be perfect that they then get to show their kids, but this is how God has covered. This is how God has covered me. And that is the greatest gift that my parents gave me was they they didn't try and have it all together. They were just, we had very real raw moments. We'd call them come to Jesus meetings in my house. <laughs> That's like a real one. Yeah, when the most, kids. Most of us are using it as a, like, you know, it would be because you're just in trouble. No, nah, when the kids were acting like little crap heads, like obviously there was a come to Jesus meeting. But also like my parents were good about owning their stuff too. And so like we championed family dinners. So we would do like family dinners in the house. And it wasn't like a nightly thing, but like, three to four times a week, like we were around the dinner table. Like that's a huge value that has helped so much. It's massive. Um, and being able to, in those moments through the conversation, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's light. Other times it's like dad being like, guys, I messed up. Like I, I fell short here. Wow. I allowed my temper to get the best of me. And I, I got on your case when I shouldn't have, you know, or my mom, hey, I didn't, I didn't do this the right way. Hey, I'm sorry I said that. Like, having that ability, like, created a pathway for me to, like, all right, like, grow in this. And and that really helped. In my first year of marriage, I was so grateful. Like, Jess and I really leaned heavily on my parents to kind of help us through that time because I was just, like, we we need some, like, 
guidance right now. Like it's not making sense. Yeah. And so that was the whole point about community. We weren't designed to do this life alone. Marriages should not be alone. You need to be in community with other people that are in your season or above your season, right? That's why I love about this. I'm the youngest guy in the, in the men's group and like, yeah. it's, it's super epic. Um, cause I get to learn wisdom on how to be a good husband. I get to learn on how to be a godly man. And it, it's so true. Like as iron sharpens iron, so shall one man sharpen another, like being in community with one another in all facets, my marriage, my friends, church, like that helps keep balance. Yeah. And, and in community, it's only true community if there's vulnerability. Wow. Right? So, so Seth, I, I started the whole podcast because of people like you. Um, because I think you're an iconic person in our community. I think you're an iconic person in this world. Um, I feel very fortunate that you're the pastor of the fourth and fifth grade. You can imagine your kids, if you're listening out there, you can imagine your kids being pastored by this man that you've been listening to. This is, I mean, it's, it's an honor. And it's amazing because it's real. Like, that's the part that I love is, is being around you. All the things that you're talking about, and we haven't got to spend that much time together, but I see those things, and it's not just, it's the difference between preaching, and I don't even like that word. I could tell you this. Growing up, you know, I don't like people preaching. The reason why I say it is because I have a bad connotation with it because generally preaching is talking about something you ain't doing, you know, and that's what, when, when somebody's preaching to you like that, but you're talking about the experiences that you've had. And we talked about this earlier in men's group that people will only talk about what they experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so true. I find that people will preach about things that maybe they've heard about mm-hmm. and you've heard about, you've seen people do this before. They'll read half a book or they'll read a chapter of the book and then they become an expert on it. <laughs> I remember I used to always have this happen. Like, you know, a woman, one woman would come in and, and, and she would be like, oh, I changed my life. And I'd be like, how did you change life? Well, six weeks ago, I started eating different. And now, and she would look at me and she'd be like, ha. Ah. And I, oh, what, what? you shouldn't be eating gluten. You should be doing this. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, lady, like in six weeks, you lost like three pounds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you ain't lost the rest of it. But you're now telling me that now you're a personal trainer. You're telling me how to eat. You're telling me all this stuff. That was preaching to me. Mm. But what I want every person out there to know is, is Seth was not preaching today because Seth was talking about things from his heart and t- talking about things from, that he experiences. And yeah. I know him as a man. And also having you as, a, as having the opportunity to have you, you know, pastor my son at yeah. fourth and fifth grade. I mean, and it's massive. I mean, but you know that you're going to, I mean, you know that you're going to be pastor in a congregation. You know that. I mean, that's like, and whether you say like we'll humble see. side, no, no, no it, that's going to happen. It, it's going to, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. And, you know, those things are going to transpire. But Thanks, the reason why I had the, I, I started the podcast is because I wanted to take iconic people like yourself and I wanted to show my kids Maddox and McKenna. So Maddox is 10 and McKenna is 13. And I wanted to show them that iconic people like yourself are not superheroes. You don't, you know, you weren't born a superhero, but you have a phenomenal attitude, incredible work ethic that you put behind it. So what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could say both of their names, yeah. it would be awesome. Great. I'm going to actually just address them in the camera. Is that okay? Yeah, you can. You can look at them right, right there. All right. Um, so for both of you, um, I would just say I think it is so important 
for you to come to this place of, of what it means to own your faith yourself. That it's your faith, your relationship with Jesus. That's the big thing. You know, like Maddox, it's your relationship with God. McKenna, it's your relationship with God. It's not your mom. It's not your dad's. Like, hey, they are here to um, help guide. They're, help, they're here to help with questions. They're here to help um, give a space um, for you to be I- exposed to those things. But at the end of the day, it's going to be on you. And so going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Say that again. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Can you say it slow, real, strong how in the about, microphone? How about let me put it this way for you, my man. <laughs> hey, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just like how sitting in a garage going vroom, vroom doesn't make me a Ferrari, all right? So <laughs> just because you're in the building, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a building. It's just a building. And if it's not daybreak, in the future when you go grow up and get married and have your own kids, like whatever church you're at, like it's just a building. What makes you a follower of Jesus is your personal devotion. It's your personal commitment. And at the end of the day, I promise you this, you will be successful in all things that you do if the number one thing that you champion in your life is your relationship with Jesus. Put that above all else. And I promise you, you will be successful in all things that you do. It is a promise from God that that's what it would, that's how he designed it to be. And the reason why I know this is because I've experienced in my life what happens when I do that and when I don't do that. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's true. It is very true putting Jesus first, not just attending the services, not just reading the Bible, not just praying the prayers before you eat dinner, but truly championing intimacy with him, spending time with him. I would encourage you guys to do this. And this is like, I'll wrap it up with this. It can be very, very simple. When you wake up in the morning, I want you to take five minutes and just literally do nothing. Don't put on music. Like, just be still and sit. And the only thing that I want you to think about is that you're literally sitting in the presence of God and just let him just love on you. Just let him love on you. And just do that, just five minutes a day. And just spend time with him that way. And just let him look at you and just say, man, I love you. I care about you. I know that you got a great dad. I can just tell. And And we talked about this a little bit this morning, about like, Parents love just looking at their kids, right? And if you don't, become a parent that loves looking at your kid. Like, <laughs> just do that. Like, that's the best way you can love them. And, and I, I can't tell you how many times growing up as a kid, I caught my parents just staring at me. And you would be like, oh, that's kind of creepy. No, no, no. Like, there's something powerful about a parent commanding the presence of, like, as dad, as mom, I'm looking at my son. Mm. And when I look, when, when I would lock eyes with them, it was the unspoken communication. Seth, I love you. I'm proud of you. And what's awesome is it, it's transpired today. There's been moments uh, a couple years ago when before the pandemic and we were doing in-person services for youth mm-hmm. and I would be preaching and there was moments that my dad would just pop his head around the corner 
in the back of the church where we were doing our service and he would just pop his head in. And in that moment we would lock eyes and it was that unspoken communication because at a young age, my dad would look at me. And so just spend time with God. Maddox, we kind of just spend time, like literally just sit in his presence. Like don't, and like, and then it'll grow. And spending time in his word, absolutely. Read the Bible, like pray, like do those things. Like the spiritual disciplines are incredible. Like I, I champion that. I believe that that's great. Um, but it's just the, the good starting point is just sit for five minutes. No music, no nothing. Just sit and think. And if your mind starts to wander, it's okay. Don't freak. <laughs> just bring it back and just be like, I'm just here with you, God. You can even say that. Start it out. Lord, I'm here with you today. I'm just sitting at your feet. Speak to me if you want. If you don't, I'm just here to be with you. And I'm just going to take these next couple minutes to be with you and just do that. And I promise you, you'll be successful in all things. Wow. Seth, you're a great man. Now's the time that all of you guys listening out there, and we want to thank you. I'll look at the camera and say, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for helping us to be uh, now in the top 1% globally as far as all podcasts. Um, not because of any advertisements, not because of anything like that, but just because you guys are the ones out there listening. Um, I want to thank you guys, and I want you to uh, check out the sponsors. we got a bunch of links in the, in the bio. Uh, I want you to check them out, one of which is going to be AOMS, which is Avio, or Aviara Oaks Middle School, and that's my daughter's school, and we want you to, uh, if, you, if you feel it on your heart, I want you to donate to them because I want my daughter to be able to do a musical she didn't have. I don't think that she found her thing, but I think she found her thing in theater. Let's go. And whether you donate or you don't, (laughs) that thing is going to be funded um, at the the highest level, and they're going to do a a phenomenal play. So uh, if you want to be a part of it. Another one that's uh, new is Agua Hedionda Lagoon Foundation. This is helping kids just to be kids. And we just got to do a benefit. I got to speak at it the other night. And I think we, uh, over the course of it, I think uh, our target was 100000 I'll let you know how much we raised. But it was very close to that in, in you know, a couple hours. Um, but, and there's also with Samaritan's Feet, uh, Cardenas Law Group, um, you know, Squeeze Dried. There's uh, Finley Volvo, um, yeah, Pink Cans for Cancer, you name it. I mean, just check these guys out, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Seth, I want to thank you for being on the show because you had no idea you are going to be on the show. No, this was literally spur of the moment. We were supposed to be getting coffee. Yeah, and, and hanging, like, but I thought this would be cool. I hey, mean, surprise. And this is the way that I want the, the show to always That's roll. That's great. Um, but for all of you out there, there's someone out there that needs to hear this. There's someone out there that, that needs to hear Seth's voice. And I ask you to share it. Um, you know, I had more asks than I've ever had on a podcast today because I'm asking for my, my daughter. I want her to do the musical. She's going to do the musical. Yeah. And the link is going to be there. I, I the Agua Hedionda, it's, it's close to me because both of my parents have a bench at the Agua Hedionda Lagoon, and both of them died very early. My mom died at 62. My dad died at 68. Oh. And they have benches that are right next to each other. Where And that was provided by the Agua Hedionda Lagoon Foundation. Wow. And so it, it's close to my heart. Samaritan's Feet has put shoes on over 10 million kids. It's crazy. Crazy, man. And so the, the other ask that I have is that, that you share this. Every single person out there, you share this because I believe that uh, Seth's voice is, is, is so powerful, not because it's like, oh, I'm preaching to you, but because he's truly a man of God, and he just happens to be sharing his experience. And when people ask all the time, like, how can you talk about God or how can you talk about Jesus? It's like, it's what you experience. And when you experience God, then you'll talk about him. So my invitation to all of you is, seriously, 
share it, share it, share it, share it. Um, again, you have been phenomenal. You're going to be on more and more because you can't get me out of your life. Let's um, go. I'm going to force you to be my friend for the rest of your life. Let's go. So I want to let you know that, uh, Seth, and I want to thank you again, but you are going to be on again and uh, that you're officially off the hot seat. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go.